We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. And Jack, we are talking about a Nets win over the Heat, 129-100. What is this team, Jack? What is this team, Nick? What the heck went on in that second half? 64-31 to to the Nets' advantage. Just Brooklyn Nets things. Brooklyn Nets things. Yeah, I mean, we were joking before the podcast, like, how is this the same team we watched finish the game against the Cavs in the last two minutes? Like, the execution in the second half of this game was really on point and the energy level they brought to start that third quarter was insane it's just a lot of positives to take away we're going to jump with that in plenty more make sure you check the buzz on all streaming platforms also give us a follow on instagram at brooklyn buzz pod but jack where do we start i think we start with that third quarter nick because the Nets started with a 31 to 6 run in that third quarter like legitimately crazy outscored the heat eventually 39 to 18 in that third period what unlocked such an incredible quarter from the Brooklyn Nets? You know, it really started at the end of the second quarter. They started to kind of find a groove and cut the lead down to Miami down to four. And then in that third quarter, they just played with really good energy. Guys were hitting threes. You know, Cam Johnson started to cook. Dorian Finney-Smith was able to knock down some shots, make some impact plays. Defensively, they kind of got Miami to settle a little bit. I thought defensively they did a lot better job in that third quarter because in the first half, Miami was shooting an insane percentage. At one point, they were shooting 75% from the field in the second quarter, and it was a lot of easy looks. You know, the defensive intensity really stepped up, the engagement and just the focus. And I think that's something we've talked about a lot. You know, this team doesn't have a huge margin for error. They need to be locked in. They need to be engaged. And that little extra 5% on every play is the difference for them winning and losing. You know, obviously they shot an insane percentage in the second half, but those small plays and those hustle plays made a huge difference, especially when you look at the second chance points in this game. Yeah, the second chance points was something wild. Let me find, try and find the stat. 29 wild. to 14. I think that's something of a record uh, along the lines of, you know, for the Nets. And it's something that we spoke about in, in previous episodes about the Nets lacking that where it's, you know, it should be part of their identity. And it, look, the Nets were down by as much as 14 and, and won this game by 29, had a lead by as much as 32. To have a 43-point turnaround is something crazy, like legitimately. And to hold the heat to 31 points, as I alluded to at the start, they had 36 points in the first period, 33 in the second. They scored less points in the third and fourth period than the second or first quarter. Like, it's just, it's 
like it's it's mind bending stuff, Nick. Yeah, I think this is also an example of why this team can be so frustrating. You know, why we are so annoyed with the previous five game losing streak because you see these stretches. And like I said, you know, you're obviously not going to always shoot 49% from the field and 45% from three. But the extra hustle and energy is something that can always be there. And, you know, a guy that brought a lot of juice tonight was Edmund Sumner. You know, he left the game in that uh, fourth quarter with a hip injury and didn't return. But he played 14 minutes and they were an impactful 14 minutes. Yeah, there was one play that I I saw, Nick, that really stuck out to me where the Nets made of a made basket for the Miami Heat. Push the ball ahead, and Edmund Sumner gets to the line and and finishes. I think it's like thirty seven fifty one. If people wanted to watch that one at home, I just love what he does. Like it, yeah. him and Utah, like those are role players that every single team would love to have in terms of the skill set that they bring and the purpose and aggression that they have in, in differing ways. And like Edmund Sumner should get all of Seth Curry's minutes, and like. If we're looking at Seth Curry, Cam Thomas, Edmund Sumner, like you can make a very credible argument that Edmund Sumner should be getting consistent minutes and should have been getting consistent minutes for a very long time. Obviously, he missed the game due to to the birth of his child, which is a a, a wonderful thing for him and his family. But what he does out there is like it's just something intangible and something that is really good for the Nets. Like it's sort of like Spencer Dinwiddie light at times. Yeah, I mean, he had he scored in the final play of the third quarter with four seconds on the clock. He went full court and got the lane, and it was incredible stuff. And I think Sumner, even, you know, obviously the energy is amazing, but his skill set also helps the team because he is a ball handler, and he's a guy that can create for himself a little bit and apply some rim pressure. And that's something we've complained about with this current, you know, group of nets is at times it's a lot of three-point shooting in mid-range. You know, you see Sumner get in there and create some things and just play with that extra juice. And obviously he's clearly a better defender than Seth Curry and Cam Thomas at this time, you know, occasionally does still make defensive mistakes with some of that I think is a lack of playing time and chemistry with some of his newer teammates. You know, he, he showcased what he can do tonight and the impact he can make and why he should be in the rotation. Yeah, what I love for him is this is coming off an Achilles injury and you know a, a guy with the he's most still fast as hell. He's quick as hell. It's like the the KD Achilles, you know, recovery. Like obviously I'm not gonna compare Edmund Summer to Kevin Durant, but yes, I am. Why the heck not? <laughs> because I think if you're just looking at the individual story and, and we take Edmund Sumner away from the Brooklyn Nets side of things, that's a feel-good story for any NBA fan. And look, he's proven now that like he belongs in the NBA system coming off this incredibly serious injury. We hope it's in the Brooklyn Nets uniform for a long time, but I think he's going to earn himself a decent enough payday, especially if he keeps producing what, what he's been doing of late. And I think he's had a, a wonderful season for the Nets in the opportunities that he has been given by the coaching staff. Yeah, I mean, he took advantage, and I think he's also had a really good attitude. You know, obviously he hasn't played and he wants to play, but he hasn't necessarily, you know, complained, and he's always ready to come in and do his thing. And yeah, he's got that relationship with Mikel Bridges because they both went to Villanova, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I'm like, not sure. I'm not a college basketball guy, but I know. Hey, I'm not sure who would have thought. Did, but... <laughs> I, 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 whenever like they're posting stuff, like you see Edmund Sumner getting in the replies, and you know, I remember Mikhail Bridges when like he was on that like heater of a run. Edmund's like, yeah, he's always doing it with joy ever since the Villanova days. So look, I I love what he brings, and it's it's really cool to see him do this after you know all the trials and tribulations he's had to face. You know, coming off the 
the, the seriousness of the injury that he has overcome, you know, full credit to Edmund Sumner and hopefully he keeps getting the opportunities. You know, finished the night four or seven from the field, one or two from three, three or three from the free throw line, had the board, which was an offensive board, uh, to go with the 12 points and the turnover. Look, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Edmund Sumner. I've been a big fan of a lot of our role guys and Edmund Sumner certainly fits in that mold too. Yeah, especially a vet minimum deal. And uh, Sumner went to Xavier. I think he just matched up against uh, Mikel Bridges when they were both in college. So familiar with each other's game. and Appreciate that. Yeah. Like I said, I'm not a college basketball guy either. So, But we know about Sumner on the nets. And like you said, coming back from the torn Achilles and doing what he can do. And he kind of was just an example of the energy that the team played with in that second half. But who do you want to go to next, Jack? I think we go to Cam Johnson, Nick. Is, yeah. is Are you cool with that? Because let's get to, to CJ. 25 minutes. And in those 25 minutes, they were productive. 9 and 13 from the field. 5, 8 from 3. Had 4 assists to go 3 boards. One of them offensive. Had a steal. Had 23 points. Efficient as hell for Cam Johnson. And look... I said in the last pot, I'm like, well, he's he's deflating his value. Is it now he's inflating his value? Well, Cam Johnson has a lot of skill. He has a lot of talent, and this was it was good to see him produce in a way that we know that he can. Yeah, and zero turnovers too, which I think is important for him, especially because he had a little higher usage in this game. He looked more confident, and you can see him kind of catch his rhythm. A couple shots go down, and now all of a sudden he's feeling it a little bit more, and that's just going to be important. And I think. You know, the Heat don't really have great rim protection, you know, so there's opportunities for you to get some shots inside the paint. And, you know, Cam obviously did that and he knocked down his threes. And obviously he's been a great three-point shooter for his NBA career. It just hasn't necessarily caught on in Brooklyn yet. And, you know, we expected him to get back closer to his career average. Yeah, I, I I still trust the shot. I think like yeah. shooting is rhythm, and like he said the other day, I remember if it coming up as a pod with you or a solo pod, like he's sort of saying that like I'm getting good shots, we're getting good shots, I'm just missing them, and sometimes that happens. It's a it's a make or miss lead, but really good to see Cam Johnson sort of a ball out. But should we get to his Brooklyn, his twin brother, Mikael Bridges, Nick? Yeah, I think just one more note on Cam, and this is more so a, a group note, is just like when your good players play well, you win games. And over the course of the five-game losing streak, Cam Johnson not playing well, Dorian Finney-Smith not playing well, you know, McKellen Spencer having some bad games mixed in. Tonight's an example of, like, guys just playing well and you win games. It's sometimes as simple as that. Yeah, you look at the plus-minus from the starters, DFS plus. Look, and again, it's a noisy stat, but in general, when we're looking at this game, the starters are the one that really got the run going in that third. And, you know, Cam Johnson plus 25, Mikhail Bridges plus 31, Nick Claxon plus 31, Spencer Demby plus 17, and then Royce O'Neal plus 14. They were big big indicators and big reasons why the Nets were able to get the, the job done. And in terms of the starters, we've had our misgivings with Cam Johnson, DFS to a lesser extent, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie, Mikael Bridges and Nick Claxton. So it was good to see the starting five produce at a level that we know that they can. There's a lot of talent and there's a lot of like just on paper, what should be a seamless fit across the board in terms of the skills that they have. It's good to see them put it all together against a a team in the Miami Heat who are coming for their spot in that sixth seed. So it was somewhat of a statement from those five. Yeah, I think it's a good matchup for the Nets. You know, a matchup they can switch a lot. And there's not necessarily this imposing rebounder that's going to really do construct, you know, 
cause destruction in the paint. You know, the Nets were able to do that to the Heat more so because they're so 45 to 32, Nick. 45 to 32, including 17 offensive rebounds to eight. That's like those are numbers usually that on I'm the like, other end. <laughs> I know. I have to like rub my eyes and just sort of look at it again. I'm like, wait, the Nets are rebounding well? What is going on here? Yeah, I mean, and that's just a lot of energy and hustle, you know, just trying to get a hand on the ball, tip it out, whatever it is, and just play with that extra effort like we talked about to start the show. Yeah, six boards for Dorian Finney-Smith, 10 for Clack, seven for, for Spence, and, and, and eight for Dayron Sharp. Like, that just does a lot. And then four offensive rebounds for Dorian Finney-Smith. It's something that both of you and I have alluded to, something that he does very well and a way that he can have an impact on the offensive, on, on, in the offensive sort of scheme because his three-point shooting hasn't been great. It was much better tonight, but in saying that, you know, finding those little offensive boards here and there, you know, Royce O'Neal had two offensive boards tonight. So, it, the... It can be the Nets aren't going to be an incredible offensive rebounding team unless Daron Sharp plays extended minutes and Nick Claxton plays extended minutes. But it's just nice to see this happen and that they have that as a, a, a thing up their sleeving if the right matchup is there, as you've alluded to. Yeah, the opportunity presented itself and they capitalized. It's really just as simple as that. And there'll be certain matchups. And obviously, uh, I think there was a good amount of long rebounds that they were just able to kind of tip out and make a play on. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. 
27 points for Mikael Bridges in his 38 minutes, 7 of 19 from the field, 3 of 9 from 3, 10 of 11 from the free throw line, did have 3 rebounds, as well as 7 assists and 2 steals. What stuck out to you for Mikael Bridges tonight, Nick? Two things really stuck out. You know, 7 assists obviously is really good, and I think that's him starting to read defenses a little bit better. I think he's going to still develop further, you know, with more game reps, and I think as he develops more counters. But on a bad shooting night, you know, 7 of 19 and 3 of 9 from 3, he was able to have a productive night because his ability to get to the free throw line. 11 free throws, and some of them were just drawing fouls. You know, some of it was just as simple as utilizing his speed, getting to his spots, feeling out that contact. We even saw him get a rip move on uh, Caleb Martin in this game and get himself to the free throw line because the Heat were in the bonus. uh, The Nets were in the bonus. So... I think you're just starting to see him adapt to this new role and there's going to be growing pains. I think the thing that we, we say a lot about like general superstars in general is like, what can you do when things aren't going well? And a lot of players struggle to get to the free throw line, you know, Jason Tatum, Paul George, these sort of guys, it's like, if they're getting to the line and they're being aggressive, we're like, okay, now this is what you sort of want to see out of him. Mikael Bridges has been, has been doing that since he's come to Brooklyn. And a lot of, I, I, I don't think he's an amazing finisher around the rim. I still think there is some improvement there, but the fact that he is getting those easy shots, he, he is an incredible free throw shooter. Like we've seen Kevin Durant, we've seen Kyrie Irving in our time. Mikael Bridges is one of in, in that mold as well. So to get 10 of your 27 points at the free throw line, he can do that consistently. Like I'm expecting probably the rest of the season, an average of seven points or more from the free throw line. And that that's easy seven points, Nick. He can easily get another 15 on top of that and, and get to that 22, 23 range and then push up to the 30 range if the three ball starts to fall a little bit more. So I think... He has a lot of potential because of his ability to be aggressive and get to the free throw line and draw that contact that you were talking about. Yeah, I think getting to the free throw line is kind of the difference sometimes between a fringe all-star and an actual all-star. You know, just being able to get those points, like you said, when it's not working out for you. And I think Mikel's able to utilize his speed and his long strides to get to his spots and kind of know that he's being chased and lean into that contact at times. And I think as his... You know, name grows and his stardom grows. So he'll probably get some better calls too. Yeah, and, and and that's saying something because he has been having you know really good nights from the line. You know, I think it's it's become a running thing for us to look at the free throw numbers from Mikael Bridges, and it's seven, it's eight, it's ten, it's nine, it's all these things. And you know, I was trying to sort of look through his, his game log, and he's doing it so goddamn so goddamn well. But in, in in saying that, another guy who's been playing so goddamn well, Nick, is is Clack City, and the population is full. You know, passports, all the the relevant citizenship that you want to uh, get granted to join. Clack City, look, you might have to wait a couple of years because this kid is just that dunk on Caleb Martin, Nick. <laughs> like, what are we talking about here? Like, talk us through it because uh, Clack City, bitch. I mean, it started with a great pass from Mikel Bridges. We've mentioned it before. They have a nice connection. Clax went up and got it and just threw it down. I mean, he reminds me of an NFL wide receiver sometimes, how he like wins jump balls. He's just so good. And I think defensively in this game, he was awesome. Like he just did so many good things and in so many different ways. You know, the way he switched on the perimeter guys, the way he defended Bam, the way he protected the rim, the way he played some in-between situations and forced the Heat players to hesitate. I just really love the way Claxton's playing defense and the impact he's having on the floor. And as we all know, I think when the Nets switch, it showcases more of his ability and it creates just a different type of element to their defense. Yeah, you want to 
run a defensive scheme around your best defensive player. Your best defensive yep. player is the, one of the best switches in the league at his position, if not at every position. And I got somewhat a little bit of flack from a few people when I called Nick Claxton a generational defender the other day after highlighting a video that Lucas Kaplan put out on him guarding Darius Garland. And I'm like, I, I genuinely think that. I don't think it's... Maybe I'm being somewhat hyperbolic. I mean, Darius Nick. Garland is literally probably one of the slipperiest guards in the league, and he's so small that other... Like, we saw Mikel Bridges get cooked by Darius Garland in those two games, and Clax was able to kind of hold his own and lock him down, especially in that last matchup. He's... Look, I'm I'm sticking by it. He's a generational defender, and he's not tonight was... He hasn't had a peak yet either. He has not even... He's, he's just scratching the surface. Imagine if he was wearing the, the Seafoam headband tonight because he was in, <laughs> he was still great. Six or seven from the field to his 14 points. Had 10 boards. A nice little double-double for him. He's putting those up like nobody else's business. Uh, he also had the four assists. The three blocks. Two or two from the free throw line. Low-key, Nick. Like, he's... Like, free throw shooting is starting to come around. Yes, he's there's a, like a violation, it seems like, every single time he takes a free throw. But Clax is focused, and man, this is. Uh, I think there's something about seeing the the home drafted kid, the the team that was drafted by your organization, grow and flourish into what he is. We're in like if uh, at, we always look for like what what you know Cam Thomas and you know when uh, all these sort of guys. And it's like Nick Claxton is just like developing into something special before our eyes. Yeah, I mean, technically he was a second round pick, and he's turned into the player he is right now. And I think also it always helps when it's like someone that you believed in early on and now they're actually you know starting to hit some of those milestones that you wanted them to hit and he's just really developed so well defensively and i think offensively there's even more room to grow and like the four assists tonight it's just like not that big a deal but in previous seasons that'd be a stat we look at and be like wow what a game for clacks passing wise now it's just kind of a normal thing to see him grab a couple assists he's just become so much more confident composed and just a really good all-around player comfortable he's got a lot of skill that i think is 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 underrated and look full credit to him he is he's a stud man he's a goddamn stud yeah i mean really happy with the way he's playing and the impact he can have out there but uh who do you want to go to next should we go to Spence and DFS to finish off with the starters? Spence at 36 minutes, 4-11 from the field. Not necessarily great with his efficiency, but was 2-5 of five from 3. Did get to the free throw line six times, seeing five of those free throws. Did rebound the ball well. Also had seven rebounds. Had the nine assists at a steal. Obviously plus 17, as I alluded to earlier, for his 15 points. How did you feel about Spence tonight, Nick? Yeah, I think those uh, seven rebounds is season high. You know, he's not a guy that is very active down there. So good to see him collect a couple boards. You know, he's been passing the ball at a really good rate lately. The assist number is not surprising. And I want to say he scored 12 of his 15 in the second half. So he was really a part of that surge. And, you know, he's just looking very comfortable out there. And I think he's doing a good job of navigating the offense. I thought he also did a nice job of making sure Mikel was getting his touches and also helping Mikel get the switches that he wanted. You know, getting Mikel matched up with Max Struess or Tyler Hero so he could just go to work. Yeah, comfortable, confident, and chemistry. Like I think those things are really starting to develop for, for Spencer as a leader and facilitator of this team, and it's it's really cool to see. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy with his play. And again, another guy who didn't have a good shooting night but still had a good game. 
And that's that's all you can ask for. You got to the free throw line six times, you know, but you passed the ball well, rebounded the ball well. You know, there's so many ways you can affect the outcome and the trajectory of the team. And and Spencer did a lot of that without the scoring, without the efficiency. But DFS also did that as well tonight, Nick. 25 minutes for him, 5 of 12 from the field, 2 of 5 from 3, which is very, very good for him. Had four offensive rebounds out of his six rebounds. Also had an assist uh, for his 12 points. What did you see from DFS? Yeah, he had a monster putback. He had a nice transition dunk in this game. Um, You know, if he can provide just this little amount offensively, it goes a long way because of what he can do on the defensive end and the impact he can have on the boards. So the fact is, if he can just give you a little bit offensively, it's just so much easier to play him. And a couple threes just make a big difference because they're really going to be always available. Because if you're looking at the starting lineup, you know, Clax is usually in the action or he's in the dunker spot. You have Mikel in the corner. You have Cam Johnson somewhere at the three-point line. Spencer's driving. DFS is the guy you're going to help off of. So it's just like if he can, you know, force the other team to you know, if he can punish the other team, it makes such a difference. And we saw him kind of go off the dribble a little bit more tonight, trying to drive to the lane and got some opportunities. I thought Clax did a nice job sealing Bam for him a, t- a couple times, but there's going to be opportunities for him to score. He just has to do enough. And tonight he did. Yeah, I think it's all about, you know, the the confidence that we alluded to with a lot of the other players and just the the quick decision-making, the sort of instinctual sort of play that you want out of guys. You don't want them to be overthinking the game. Just take the shot, just drive to the lane, just make the pass. And look, it, it's sometimes easier said than done over the course of 48 minutes and you get into your head a little bit. You know, a, a lot of sport is mental and, you know, uh, that's probably part of what DFS has been struggling with at times with his shooting and with his decision-making and, and that sort of thing. But, you know, he, he's a, a proto type that a lot of teams want and it's good to see him you know contribute uh, in a positive fashion nick should we uh, get to the bench any yeah what what bench thoughts did you have you know royce o'neill contributing joe you know utah for a few minutes here or there darren sharp continuing to to be solid in his minutes what were your bench thoughts yeah darren sharp continuing a positive trend and looking like a real nba player and i think that's some major growth for him. You know, he's a guy that we've talked about a lot and really unsure what it was looking like moving forward for him. I think, you know, the two 10-day contracts kind of motivated him in understanding, like, I need to be better. And I think he's playing with a different level of energy. He's really going in on the boards. It's helped that the two matchups have been pretty good. There hasn't necessarily been a physically opposing center. And, you know, the heat goes small when Bam comes off the floor. But, hey, Sharp's taking advantage. You know, he... One play that really stuck out to me in this game, he got rejected by Caleb Martin, ran the floor, got back defensively, then ran again in transition and caught an oop. And it's just like that energy and hustle will help you find minutes and make up for some of your shortcomings when you play with that level of energy. Yeah, especially for backup bigs where a position yeah. is like, you're going to get 15, 20 minutes at best. What can you do in those 15, 20 minutes? And as you make alluded to, just make them count. And like, you know, it's run the floor hard, screen well, rebound well. And he does a lot of those things well just with his general skill set. He has a bit more skill than that with some of his passing. You know, uh, and, and I think yeah. that he can continue to contribute positively for the Nets. So really, really cool to see King Sharp continue to do his thing. Uh, what other bench thoughts did you sort of have, Nick, before you know, I go through some of the team stats, which are like insane? Yeah, Royce was solid again. You know, uh, we've talked about it. Royce is really finding his groove off the bench, hit some big threes, especially at the end of the second quarter that really helped the Nets get back in the game and, you know, create, you know, kill that heat deficit. Uh, Joe Harris did enough. You know, he wasn't necessarily great in this game, but he was solid. And you'd have played mostly uh, garbage time. Uh, same thing for Drew Smith and David Duke Jr. So, Overall, you know, the bench did its job. They weren't necessarily amazing, but, you know, 
they did enough. Uh, Sumner probably did the most, and Sharp right behind him. Nick, the Nets were 0.6% off of 50-40-99. They were 49.4% from the field, eight, uh, 45% from three, and 92% from the line. Like, that's that's some crazy shit. Yeah, I mean, uh, considering the way they were shooting the three ball over the five-game losing streak, it, it really does feel crazy because I think there's a game or two where they didn't even make 10 threes. So for them to knock down 18 out of 40 and hit 45% from deep is huge because obviously that's how Vaughn wants to play. You know, I think you're even seeing a little bit sometimes the players are hesitating from mid-range a little bit and leaning to get into more of those three balls. And tonight it paid off. You know, the shooting variance is always going to be a huge stat for the Nets and a big factor of they win and lose a lot of games. Yeah, I think for me, I'm always looking at volume. Like if you go... 12 or 40 but you're still hitting 12 of them like 15 or more like you look at the number that they're hitting and obviously the quality of the shots as well is obviously yeah. something to to keep an eye on too but you know good shot make or miss league the nets made, made a lot tonight nick any final game thoughts before we touch on maybe our final bs report for the season yeah six turnovers as a team against a good heat defense that can be overwhelming at times i think that's pretty impressive stat for the nets also 30 assists tonight that's a number we really like when they move the ball well and we talked about it you know spencer had nine assists mikhail bridges had seven assists if he can continue to create a little bit more for this team it really goes a long way big time 30 assists on 44 made field goals as well as as you were sort of touching on that's a that's a lovely number but let's get to the final bs report probably of the year we heard we got the 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 proverbial nail in the coffin for ben simmons the nerve impingement is is back you know it was something that has been eluding him for a while it seems obviously in his philadelphia days and we got relative confirmation from jacques Vaughn that he doesn't expect him more than likely not to to suit up for the brooklyn nets after the the toing and froing for for so long uh, i guess it, it's just shitty and i just look there's positive news when you look at the history of nerve impingements and guys coming back you know michael porter jr playing pretty well for the nuggets this season it's just a bit su- it's a bit sucky all around you know we've laid into ben simmons i think rightfully so for some reasons but when his body body fails him it's i think it's hard to not feel sorry or some semblance of sympathy and empathy for him yeah i mean you definitely feel bad especially because it's just like he can't get his back right you know this has been a thing that's been going on for two seasons now you know he missed the season all with philadelphia joins the nets tries to rehab back is acting up has to get the surgery you know starts to play well uh you know very early in the season has that little stretch gets injured again deals with the knee soreness and then the back is acting up again you know i don't know if it's like the the rehab process or you know being out for a little bit and then trying to ramp himself back up and then re-injuring it. It's definitely concerning because obviously Ben is a player that is athletically driven. You know, if he does not have that athletic pop in his game, he's substantially less impactful. So I'm definitely concerned. I mean, obviously I wish him the best and hope that he can get back to being 100%, but I'd be lying if I think that's going to happen for sure. No, there's not a lot of confidence all around, but you know, there's plenty of time for him to get back come October at some point later in the year. So we'll we'll keep an eye on it and hopefully there is some positive news for, for him and the Nets going forward. But what happens, as we've always said with the Bears report, it's it's anyone's guess. Uh, despite that, Nick, any final thoughts on, on this game? The Nets are now you know, solidified their spot in the sixth seed. How are you feeling overall? Yeah, I mean, they got the tiebreaker with Miami, which is a pretty big deal moving forward for the rest of the season if they're looking to solidify a playoff spot. Um, 
we joked at the end of the last podcast that the Nets would probably win this game and pull everybody back in based off of Nets Twitter tonight. It really feels that way. I think these type of performance just gets you excited because you see guys play at a level that you expect from them. Obviously, moving forward, this the schedule is pretty easy for this team. They do have Orlando tomorrow, but there's going to be a lot of matchups they can win. So if they want to solidify a playoff spot, they definitely can. But they have to play not at this level every night, but at least, you know, 80 to 90 percent of it. Yeah, and Orlando isn't an easy out either. No. Like the the net and on, on a back to back as well. So we'll see how that one goes. We'll be recapping it here at the buzz. And any final thoughts, Nick, before we wrap this one up? No, I mean, always happy to see a win. And it's always just it's just hilarious in the fashion these last two games have gone. But Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks everybody for listening. Check the buzz on all streaming platforms. Whether you're a world class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well being and proper recovery for top notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.